When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley, and Jack Freeman. I'm Tim Priester, and it is finally game week. We've been waiting a Thank long God. time for this, as have uh, Fighting Irish fans and college football fans all over uh, the country. And uh, a lot has happened since last week, the naming of captains, which, Tim, you and I speculate about every year and get it wrong every year. Uh, and then, of course, uh, yeah, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the, the ruling on Eshek Williams. But we have a lot to talk about here um, this morning. And, and, Pete, just your thoughts on uh, the finalization of Eshek Williams' status at Notre Dame with the NCAA's call. I, I think we're all a little bit perplexed as to why that yeah. decision was made. I mean, I just I, I think it's a ridiculous ruling from the NCAA. Not that Eshek Williams should be eligible to play for Notre Dame this year, but he should be eligible to practice. Like, He's trying to play himself into a long shot NFL career, and allowing him to practice would would give him a better opportunity to do that. So I just don't understand. It's a punitive punishment with no upside. I don't understand what the NCAA's point is there, um, other than I guess they take academically very seriously. But if Notre Dame has found Eshaq Williams to be a capable student and it wants him to work on his degree and he's in good standing academically or at least good enough to be enrolled, then he should be allowed to practice. I don't understand it either. It's the strangest thing that I know there's separate cases and that's the answer every time. Brian Kelly's told us that there's separate cases every time we ask him this question. But Isla Hardy could play in a game because he defers a suspension and Eshaq Williams takes a suspension and then he can't play after the suspension's over. Or can't practice. It's, I don't, it's another yeah. point. I don't, I don't. All of it's. I, I guess what I'm saying is Hardy can it. play immediately, and Eshak can't practice a year later. Kamari can. I don't, it's. It's. Meanwhile, we'll never know. Meanwhile, I mean, Greg Bryant is playing football this fall. <laughs> and, and I read another yeah, sordid well, story. Yeah, there. and I, and, you know, I realize it's not a high level of yeah. football, but yet he is on the field and he'll be rushing for a lot of yards this fall and putting himself in position to uh, to parlay that into. I guess he's already, it's not a transfer from Notre Dame. I guess he's already done that, but it certainly yeah. doesn't look like he'll be right. ever back at Notre Dame he, again. Yeah, he will not be back at Notre Dame. That would be a, a absolute stunner to his father who told me that, like, Greg just doesn't have the maturity to make it back to Notre Dame right now. And as much as the dad was trying to push and pull and plead and prod to keep Greg here in the first place, at this point, Greg's sort of making his, Greg Jr. is making his own decisions now. He went to ASA on his own, really against his family's wishes. So he's, he's I think, out of Notre Dame's consciousness at this point. Um, I'll be tracking him this year if I can figure out how to get stats from ASA <laughs> Junior College games. But, I mean, he's you won't see him in a Notre Dame uniform again ever. Like, that's just, that's just not happening. I guess some positive... I mean, he's under uh, the guidance of Ernie Jones, uh, you know, who, who's a 
who's a sharp guy and, and will do his best to keep him on the straight and narrow. But there have been a lot of guys that have tried to do that, led by Tony Alford and, I mean, and Autry Denson, right. and it just, it just didn't work. I think, yeah, it's a positive in that he can play somewhere next year now. That that helps, you know. It's I mean, he could have played another game if he stuck it out, of right. course. But this is it gives him a chance to play as a right. senior next year, and then mileage on a running back, he can take a shot at the NFL for that. Now the naming of captains, uh, as we said, it, it's always difficult to predict. Nordane picked five this year. It's only been done two other times: nineteen ninety five when Nordane went nine and three, and two thousand and seven when Nordane went three and nine. So any correlation there between? Uh, additional captains and, and success or failure is kind of mixed in Notre Dame because it's only been done two other times. But, um, you know, certainly Martin Day, repeat captains, no big surprise there. Joe Schmidt, no big surprise. At that point, it was up for debate a little bit with Farley and, and Jalen Smith. I didn't think Jalen Smith ultimately would be chosen as a captain because there were so many senior leaders. And I just thought it would be in Jalen Smith's best interest to just focus on being a great player and not have to worry about the the role that comes with being a captain but I guess he's kind of ascended into that role as a junior yeah I I'm curious to see how much leadership he offers other than just like wow that guy's really good (laughs) I mean I I think he's sort of a, a, a leading from the front type guy um you know if there's a message that needs to be delivered I think Joe Schmidt will deliver it at that position if there are underclassmen that need help sort of getting their stuff together, I think Matthias Farley will do that. The young Jerry Tillery it's, is going to go to Sheldon Day. So it's like I'm not really sure who Jalen Smith is going to be leading other than maybe like Tavon Coney. Uh, I think it's good. And I think Notre Dame, they look at it as like, Jalen, if you want to lead, that's fine. Just just go make all the plays. Right. Like Just give us the 110 tackles and the 15 tackles for loss and the eight sacks. And I think Notre Dame's going to be fine with that. I think it's a good resume line for Jalen Smith. Uh, but I thought it was interesting the way Brian Kelly described it. Is he didn't talk about Jalen Smith being elected a captain. He talked about Jalen Smith being put into a captain's in a leadership role because... They felt like, or at least Brian Kelly felt like he was ready for it. And maybe maybe Kelly thought that's the next step for him. He needs yeah. to be he's the best. He, he mentioned, and he went out of his way to say, he is by far the best player on the defense. Yeah. And he's got it, some players. It, and he also, it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, and he, he said it's he not even close. <laughs> you want your best players? He said you yeah. want your best players to be captains? Jalen was probably on the cusp, but those other guys, like, you know, Ronnie Stanley we talked about. I think a lot of people think of Jarrett Grace, but he's a backup to the captain, Joe Schmidt, so yeah. that would be very weird. So, I know, he's if he's by far the best player, I, I don't have any problem with who you choose captain, of course, but it's, it's I was, I would not have guessed Jalen Smith either. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of ruled him out. I wrote yeah. a story a couple weeks ago about who who's in a position, who isn't. I will say in defense of Farley... I mean, I think in terms of understanding the overall defense, or at least where they're located, him and Joe Schmidt are at the at, at the top of that. So, I mean, from that perspective, he earned it and well, deserved it. And I, I, get as, I get Farley's a special teams captain kind of right, thing too, right. because he's involved yeah, in well, all that, and like you want. So, I, I think he sort of offers sort of an old, mature voice for for two units, the secondary and special teams. Um, so, I think like I I don't know how. Younger players are going to relate to Kavari Russell. Um, but I think Mathar- Matthias Farley is very easy for these younger players to relate to and sort of understand this is what it takes to make it at Notre Dame. Well, anytime a senior goes out of his way to befriend young players, yeah, that says yeah, a lot about leadership. He said, when I talked to him after the fact, he said Harrison Smith did that for him, Jamar Slaughter did it for him, Bennett Jackson, and he just wants to, he thought it was so important to his development. Any little thing that was bothering him, they helped him with when he was a freshman. I mean, remember he was a scout team wide receiver. 
when he was younger. Right. And you got those guys helping you when you move over to safety. and It's important. Brian Kelly said there could have been 10 captains. He may have been exaggerating a little bit. I, Isaac Rochelle, I think, is certainly as, as worthy of captainship as Jalen Smith, other than he doesn't play football as well as, right. as he does. Aside from the suspension, um, some people have suggested Malik Zaire. I don't know of any team with this much senior leadership that would put a one-game starter in a position of captainship. I think that's premature. Kavari Russell probably would be a captain had he yeah. played last year, although he may have left right. had he played last year as well. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie Stanley. I yeah. mean, right. you could make an argument for Will Fuller if you wanted to. I mean, he's the best player at that position. His personality has come out more, but, you know, it's like, do they need a wide receiver? Like, wide receiver captain is just sort of no. a weird position. He needs to like, reduce his drops from, yeah. what was it, 15? Yeah. 15 to 5. Yeah. That, that will right. be how he leads. So, overall, I mean, it's a... We've talked about this all off season, and that this Notre Dame was going to have ample candidates for captains this year, and they did. Um, you know, it's like I'm not sure if I I find Jalen Smith more curious or surprising, or I find the fact that there are four defenders, yeah, that's... and one offensive guy. Like I, I can't remember that ever happening. I think your Farley point though is he's more special of a special team, teams, yeah. and he's got such a voice. Yeah. So even if it's even then, three to one, three one one, it's unusual, and that's why when we were. Coming up with possibilities, you keep you're you're, yeah. you're going to split it two and two or three and two. Uh, I, I did throw out the possibility right. of five in in that story, and as it as it worked out, they just had they just had too many leaders not to name five. I'm not, try, I'm not trying next summer. Uh, you guys do that. You know, I, there was also a story here within the last week or so about the the probability of of Notre Dame's record. I speculated. I guess we all did because we kind of talked about it before I wrote it. But nine and three would be the most Likely it would be unacceptable based upon expectations because, you know, how we perceive seasons for any team in the country ultimately, at least initially, is based upon what your perception was and what your expectations were going into the season. And three losses on Notre Dame's record this year under any circumstances, certainly in the regular season, nine and three, I mean, that's below what the expectations are this year. I completely agree. I don't think, I mean, I think. We've said it a lot. This is their best chance. They're loaded up for this run. I did write down a note in my phone. Very old iPhone. But I wrote down a note in my phone uh, a couple weeks ago. Notre Dame will meet expectations if unless these two things happen. Number one was Malik Sayer has to be about as good as we think he can be. And number two is Jerron Jones can't get hurt. <laughs> and one of the, I saw this in my phone, and one of them has happened, and it was in early August. So whether I'm right or not, we don't know. But I'm yeah. saying that those were two key indicators for me, and... I mean, nine and three is not meeting expectations, and I think that is well mathematically. I know that's the most likely thing. Right? But yeah, that, right, we're not right. saying that that's our prediction for the season, but they're more likely to. be No, involved. that's not my prediction. No, no but, I, but that, that's the most likely. Right. Yeah, I feel like I would have to work really hard to figure out a way that ten and three with a bowl loss would be seen as a good season. I just. They have to win eleven. They only have to. They have to lose two games. Yes, or right. less. Yes, exactly. three is the problem. Three yeah. losses is the problem because you play so many games. But once you've lost that second game, you're out of contention. And once you lost the yeah. third, you're nowhere near contention. Now eleven and one with a bowl slash playoff loss. 
Oh, that's great. Take year. it. Take it. Thumbs that was a, that was a great year no matter what. what that's ha- true. Uh, there's other team has scholarships too. You play Auburn in, the, I mean, in yeah. December you, 31st. That's... If you make the playoffs, everything yeah. else after that yeah, is that's true. It's a bonus. Although you could be 11-1 and and not make the playoffs. And then if you lose that bowl game, there's a yeah, higher like degree if, of disappointment. If, if they go to, I think I saw a projection of them against uh, Boise State in the Peach Bowl. If they're 11-1 and and they lose to Boise State, maybe finish 11-2. Right. Yeah. It's so possible because you don't care as much either i mean that december 11 yeah. and 1 and you're playing well, boise state instead of the keep in mind Bo- boise state is probably not going to lose do they play washington they do i think they open with Washington. yeah so on but i mean there's a good chance that they ultimately don't lose and then that throws everything in i think it. the drop off of playoffs to boise state in the peach bowl i don't i know boise state's real pro a very good program that is a huge mental drop off Oh, no doubt. I mean, no doubt you, about you don't it. think the Mike Sanford goal is going <laughs> to carry the day? Well, he might be there. It could be a great storyline. Yeah. It would be, be a tremendous storyline. Okay, we, uh, we'll come back for segment two and uh, take questions from our readers. Back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We're in segment two. Questions for our readers, and first up is D.H. Spartan, nineteen eighty-five, and he wants to know: Do you expect any new wrinkles from the Irish offense? Most of us are hoping to run the ball more, but do you see anything different or exciting to happen offensively? This is something I want to ask Brian Kelly about, and, and you have to phrase it properly because <laughs> are you going to do anything exciting? Offensively? Yeah, no, I don't mean no. What I'm about to say is what I'm going to ask him. Not exactly that. Um, you know, and, and, and you bring up Stanford to him, and he, he's been sensitive in the past. Like, what? You know, like, what do you think I need to do? What Stanford does to be successful? But having said that, you know, Mike Stanford was at Stanford, where they had tremendous success with multiple tight ends, and the tight ends, and all the discussions that we had with him last week, or whenever it was that we talked to him, you know, talked about using multiple sets. I think Hounsell said three at at a time. Now, I don't think that that's Brian Kelly's mo, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Sanford came to Notre Dame with some ideas about how to really accentuate the tight ends, considering how well Stanford uh, executed that. I think there'll be multiple wrinkles in the running game, um, in their power running game, that we'll probably only be able to discern <laughs> one or two of them um, you know, to the naked eye. But I think there'll be a lot of little adjustments that go on with who they pull. With when you have multiple tight ends, all the different things you can do, going unbalanced like Stanford did, as you said. Um, one wrinkle I thought we'd see from the spring that there's really no need for it now, that sixth lineman, Alex Bars. You know, Pete's always talked about great feet. He could come in and be that extra like guy. That. But if you like all your tight ends, can, yeah, although he's got a block better than Hounshaw and Luatua, I mean, he, he would naturally be better you know, at it. Tim, you, you had mentioned something before we started recording. Uh, I think it was Sanford said in spring, like, why would you change your plays in the red zone? Yeah. But... If you have three tight ends you can put on the field, like that could be a red zone package. I mean, that would be changing your offense. And like you said, the misdirection of moving Smythe and Alize Jones. And like, I I guess I don't really see Chase Hounshall like being a factor there. Um, but if you can get Wisher, Jones, and Smythe on the field at the same time, like that could be a real pain in the ass. Well, you could get two of those guys or one of those guys that. Split wide. Yeah. You can split them both. That's a well, huge blocking. Line them yeah. up attached. Yeah. 
and Malik gives a little hand gesture, and then boom, they're they're out wide. Like, how are you supposed to defend that? You're going to send your middle linebacker over right. there to pick one of them? Like, that's not going to work. And he's my dream of James Onowalu playing both sides to be a blocking <laughs> wide receiver is now gone. Well, I, I apologize we, to everyone. We saw how effective Nick Wisher was in, in, in red zone goal line situations or planning yeah. himself on the goal line. And getting back to what you said, Tim, about wrinkles with the offensive line. Quentin Nelson is a big, strong, and more mobile offensive lineman now than he was. He's dropped a little bit of weight, so I can see them getting a guard out and spin. Not so much Elmer, because I don't. I'm not sure that that's his. It isn't his game. But with Nelson, I think you've got some options, and they've always, you know, Brian Kelly's always done a lot in moving his tackles. Well, and in theory, this should be Brian Kelly's best center that he's had in six years. I mean, Braxton Cave was a good college player, but short armed. Right. Not super mobile. I mean, I'm not saying he was unathletic, but Nick Martin, a healthy Nick Martin is a fifth-year senior. You know, he should have a really good year, and you, they haven't just they haven't had that kind of power player at the center position that can that can also get out and get to the second level like Nick. And you you mentioned the tackles; they can both really move. Like we know Stanley can move, but McGlinchey is a very good athlete out there. You can pull the tackle eligible pass. That's right. I'm you, that's that's going to be the exciting part yes. of the offense. Is gonna can throw you the imagine? I mean, Mike McGlinchey's coming at you in the open field with arms and legs and, and all that length. Yeah, I think that's a strong possibility, and I agree with you, Pete, that, I mean, I never, as strong as we know Braxton Cave was, I never saw him as an overly physical center. And I'm not I'm not saying that Nick Martin is either, but he's smart, he's motivated, he's the leader of that group, and he's healthy, and I can see him having a great year. Irish fan three. Every year it seems that an unsuspecting quarterback comes in Notre Dame Stadium and plays well, either winning the game for his team or keeping it closer than it should have been. Do you see either of the Texas quarterbacks being able to do that this weekend? Please, for Notre Dame fans' sanity, say no. I definitely don't see Tyrone Swopes being able to do it. Uh, I think Gerard Hurd could be a little bit of an issue, maybe for a play here, a play there. Not enough to lead that offense, which is... It was inept last year. Now they have a new offensive coordinator. I mean, keep in mind, Gerard Hurd has never stepped on a college field before, so I don't think you're going to get more than a flash or two. But Tyrone, like, I think Notre Dame still has quite a few questions at safety based on the way Brian Kelly described Shoemate and Redfield last week. I just don't think Tyrone Swopes is going to do anything about it. Yeah, I never thought... Zach Frazier, Cameron Dantley were going to do anything about either, but it's a much different, <laughs> much different Notre Dame defense. Obviously, I would be I would be surprised if Texas's quarterback wins it. I mean, next year with Kai Loxley might be an interesting thing down yeah. in Austin. Does he? You know, I'm always wary of a guy that can come in with not any film on him that can beat you with his legs. I just think fully healthy Notre Dame. This team can run defensively right now. They're fast when fully healthy. I mean, this this unit can run. Uh, usually, it's a guy that comes in and. An athlete messes you up a little bit because you can't run with them, but you're not running away from. I don't. I mean, I don't. We don't know what we're going to get from Tyrone Swoops. I mean, certainly, why can't he be improved? I mean, we expect to have Notre Dame players coming through the second time. Why can't he be improved? Sean Watson, the the offensive coordinator, they're running the spread. He's a guy that developed Teddy Bridgewater. You know, the defensive coordinator Vance Bedford made the comment. I see a different guy in referring to Tyrone Swoops. Now that's all typical preseason jargon. I understand that, but. I've seen it happen in Notre Dame Stadium way too many times to assume that a big, powerful athlete like Tyrone Swoops will not have a, a good day against Notre Dame. The last two quarterbacks to come in Notre Dame Stadium, Trevor Simeon and Reggie Bonifant, looked really good 
Um, and Reggie Bonifant was a true freshman. Yeah, really, wasn't yeah. He? And now yeah. you know they played against not these guys. They're going to be going against today, of course, but or on on Saturday. But they are on a losing streak at home against bad quarterbacks. That's not true. bad quarterbacks, inexperienced quarterbacks. So. Yeah, I mean you can't assume anything with this defense. It's just Tyrone Swopes hasn't done anything in his career. No. I think to really you know at least the other guys you just didn't know they were question marks. This guy's like you already know. He's, well, he won the job in the preseason. You really have to so. make a huge gain from you know where he was last year. All right, next up, C. Pugh. Aside from blitzing, I still have no idea where a pass rush will come from. Brian Kelly's statement that Grant Blankenship, Jonathan Bonner, and Doug Randolph could help on first and second down, but not much in pass rush situations is a huge concern. It feels like we play with four defensive tackles on the field. Is anyone on this team developing pass rush moves to beat a tackle off the edge? It was interesting talking to Trombetti. He, uh, he mentioned that he constantly works on different techniques because he doesn't have long enough arms and he's not fast enough. I think that's what he's probably told quite a bit by uh, Gilmore and, and, and Van Gorder, maybe when they're kind of doing the break them down to build them back up. But, yeah, I don't know where you're going to get it off the edge as much if it's not Trombetti. It's not a Quora, right? I think he could just be a solid player. I don't think he's turning into a pass-rushing Derek Thomas. The thing about Blankenship and Bonner, Bonner's gained 30 pounds, Tim, since you did a film review of him two years ago. Yeah. And Blankenship gained 23 pounds since we last saw him. I'm surprised, I guess, Randolph hasn't developed into that, but they had him playing inside linebacker at one point, so he really hasn't, I don't know if he's saying he hasn't had a chance. This is, I, I'm not a guy that thinks you absolutely have to have an edge rusher, but you do have to get rush from, pressure from four people. I just think that the pressure from four people comes from Day, Rochelle, maybe Tillery and Trombetti. <laughs> some some zone blitzes yeah, where, yeah. where defensive linemen drop back. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, how can I mean four defensive tackles? There isn't anything about Trombetti that says defensive tackle. Um, Okwara, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a, a you know a ten sack guy, but I do think that he has some pass rush skill sure. and some some a- athletic skill, and he's up to two seventy. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what to say to make you feel better. It is it is what it is. It's a it's a much more veteran defense that's probably going to be better against the run than they are rushing the passer. But that's why Brian Van Gorder dials up all these different type blitzes to compensate for what you lack in a four-man rush. Yeah, I mean, there's just this is the weakness of the team. Yeah. You know, this is, and this is something we've known for nine months. I mean, since last season ended, it was where's their pass rush going to come from? They haven't created anything. I mean, you just can't. This is, to me, pass rush ability is sort of like arm strength with quarterbacks. You have it or you don't. And maybe you can change, move up the dial a little bit, but it's not going to be a massive improvement. Probably the most dramatic increase I've ever seen was with Tommy Reese from one year to the next Which with was, arm strength. Yeah. but that, Foot I mean, speed, not so yeah. much. That, that didn't improve. I, you know, I agree with you, Pete, yeah. that that... Sheldon Day is a guy that can give He's you more pass. Yeah, I mean, he, he can. I, well, I think Trombetti has the highest upside with regard to that. But that's why they're going to move Sheldon Day around. And if you do get a little bit of pressure on the outside with, you know, with with your ends, I think that's going to open things up more uh, for Sheldon Day. And I love the idea of Jalen Smith coming off the edge because they do have to use that. First of all, he covers more ground. When he, I mean, if he could be blocked by a running back, it's over. Um, but I also like the fact that when you're doing these zone blitzes and you have Trombetti and Day and guys coming from different angles, if Jalen's one of your guys covering, dropping back on the running back out of the flat or the tight end, go down the seam, you're in good shape because you have Kavari and Luke outside. You can hold up sending six guys if Jalen's one of your guys in coverage because he can run with everybody. That 
You don't want to send necessarily. I know he might be your best pass rusher off the edge in terms of speed. Right. He's definitely your best coverage linebacker and maybe the best guy. Well, that's where losing Sean Crawford yeah. is, is yeah. significant because I think that gave them confidence to, okay, we can go ahead and send Jalen Smith because we have Crawford, you know, it's lightning quick. I mean, why I like the zone blitzes with uh, – Trombetti and Aquara is that they probably weren't going to give you much of a pass rush anyway. So just drop them into coverage, and then you have some misdirection happening there. And when you're sending Jalen Smith or even like Joe Schmidt up the middle, yeah. I thought he was pretty effective last year. Shoemate did a good job of that, I thought. I'd be curious to see if Redfield can amplify. Kavari, what he was I doing. think Kavari Russell. We saw I mean, that is going to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean that he could be a weapon. Look, you're going to have to be creative. There's no easy answer, and there's no team in the country that has an easy answer to every aspect of the game. Kavari used to do it. It seems like ten years ago, but he did it as a yeah, freshman. He yeah, would yeah, come off a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a question from uh, Irish Doobie. Irish Doob. Uh, are you able to compare the chemistry with this year's team in the 2012 championship run? Obviously, there's leadership across the board, but it also seems this team does not have as many bad apples. Insert your list of bad apples, I guess, from 2012. Perfect storm this year? Well, I mean, Aaron Lynch wasn't on a 2012 team, and he was mentioning this question. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, bad apples is like you could have guys on this team looking ahead to the NFL draft yeah. next year. Um, that's going to be sort of a human nature thing that I think Notre Dame's going to have to fight quite a bit. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that that year's team, when we were talking about captains earlier, if you, if you could get sort of Jalen Smith's athletic ability and Joe Schmidt's respect with the team, you'd have Manti Teo. And what that team had was this best player was also its best leader. This team doesn't really have that dynamic, and I, but I think that was really important for that squad where they had their you know a Manti Teo personality to drag everything along. That team also had a backup quarterback that could come in and, and save you and bail you out uh, if you needed it, which might happen this year. We don't know. Um, so, you know, is the chemistry better on this team? I I don't know. I mean, I think that team had some chemistry issues, too, with, like, the the Reese-Golson stuff in September. I mean, that was a little bit awkward. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this team has good chemistry. Um, but do they have that Teo personality on it? I'm not so sure they do. I like, yeah, it, it's hard to compare the 2012 team because we know how they were able to pull through so many things and, and win and get to the championship game. I like... Every aspect of the leadership of this team, I think Pete made a good point about some guys looking ahead. I don't... Kavari Russell is a great teammate, but he's got to be a little bit in it for himself this year. Does that make any sense? And I don't mean if you're 6-0. and I mean, you're 5-1, and 6-0 and going to USC. You're totally on board with everything. Where does the leadership go when you're not playing for the college football playoffs all of a sudden in November? What happens to this team? Well, Do they... It, it's not going to disintegrate. They have senior leaders, but... You never can tell how much leadership is on a team when they're six and zero. Oh. Anytime you go into it, yeah, it, right. You're exactly right, and you you always know in November. But anytime a team goes into November with not a lot to play for, there's going to be a natural fall off. But having said that, I mean Jalen Smith and Kavari Russell and whichever you know, Will Fuller or whoever, in order for them to be a viable NFL draft prospect at the end of the year, they've got to continue to play and play well. Definitely so, true. I mean, you know, I think. If Notre Dame is still in the running in November, I mean, that's a variable that keeps everybody on the same page, whether you're in it for yourself or for your team. 
look, you should be going into November with still having a shot at it. You know, this this sounds like so speculative fanboy comment, but you're not protecting your quarterback from himself like you were in 2012. That was a lot of effort by Brian Kelly to try and bring yeah, Everett really Golson through that season until yeah. about the Oklahoma game. And, uh, I mean, we all think Malik Zaire is going to be a great teammate, but we don't. Our, our proof is from when he was a first-time starter and had a good day on a Month, yeah, and month had, to prepare and had, had Ever 30, Golson. Yeah, 30 <laughs> days preparation. Right, yeah, right. and had Ever Golson to bail. Like, we just think he's going to be that way, though. Yeah, I, you know, chemistry looks good. We'll see what yeah. happens. You you never know until you get into the heat of battle. But I do think, like a, even like a guy like Chase Houchel, I think he's a chemistry piece to this, which is why he's back. I, I think he's well-liked and respected by his teammates for what he's done to come back. I think there are several stories You, you like want that. back of your roster chemistry, too. You don't absolutely. want everything going wrong no, back absolutely. there. You know? it's that, that, that's important. It's taken for granted. Okay, finally, Todd Lighthouse 5. Over under six freshmen see action against Texas on Saturday. Over. I, I Easily over. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I think there are probably five guys who are going to just be in the regular rotation. Yoon, Alize Jones. I think St. Brown will get some snaps. Jerry Tillery, of course. Like Nick Coleman probably on special teams, Tavon Coney on special teams. But then I think Notre Dame's gonna be up enough late in the game that you're gonna be able to sub some guys in, and that's when, you know, a Dexter Williams maybe gets some time or, you know, Nick Coleman's in on the defense. I just I I think it's gonna be comfortably over by the end of the night. Teaser by Pete Sampson for Thursday. Comfortable yeah. score going into the game. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. Tune in. Uh I gotta say just over. I think by Game two or three, you'll probably have all ten have played or something like mm-hmm. that. But I'll I'll say, just the nature of the game, you might not get the guy in. You, you know, the typical C.J. Sanders for a play or, or Josh Adams if Procise is healthy might not have to get in this first game. But uh, maybe Pete's right in that if they're gonna play, they have a special teams role of some type that they get in as well. I just think there's fewer young guys on special teams, so I'll say just overs. Right, yeah. that's true. There are fewer fewer guys, fewer young guys on special teams. It's hard to say because we don't really know who comprises the special teams. Uh, like they'll put out a depth chart on Tuesday, but it's not going to say, you know, who the coverage yeah. unit is, yeah. and, and you know, a return unit. So you don't really know. Uh, so having said it, I'll say it's a push at six. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We'll be back September third, just a few days from now, to preview Texas. I think we'll bring back the recruiting roundup segment as well, since Notre Dame's had some uh, official visitors added to the list, uh, and obviously talk a deep dive into the Longhorns. So until then, to Priester Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, you've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. One day I'll slow and wade down Spend my weekend in a swing out on the wraparound Over these days I'm on a mission to get these wild